0: You're listening to a New York Sports Nation production. Mm -hmm. Enhancing your New York sports experience.
1: All right, welcome to the Giants Nation
0: podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with Danny King, and we're looking forward to this. We did uh, so. If you, if you didn't listen to our intro pod, basically, uh, we both work for uh, N- uh, nycsportsnation.com, New York Sports Nation. Uh, Danny covers uh, the Giants; he's the head of you know the Giants Nation uh, department. Uh, I do some work for Giants Nation, but also host Simple Man Radio. Uh, national bro- uh, a national podcast. I'm not going to talk about that too much. Basically, we're if if you want to know like the, the whole vision for the show, listen to the intro pod. It's seven minutes long, and yeah, for this, what we're going to do is you know for, like for episode one, we're we're knocking out you know rookie uh, college quarterbacks, what we think, you know, breaking them down, and then but we'll start each show with whatever the latest news was in the week. Uh, almost every show will be out on Tuesday. Things will change around the draft and, and season and whatnot. And yeah, and then we'll, we'll have some interviews. We're putting the Rich Soyber interview that I did on Simple Man Radio a couple weeks ago on here. And uh, yeah, so let's get right into it. Danny, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Good, good. So uh, before we get into these college quarterbacks, Haskins, Murray, uh, the biggest, the, the two biggest things that came out from Giants this week, uh, Connor Barlow was released. We'll talk about that briefly. But the Giants, you know, we've we've been wondering what either we're going to, they're going to do with Eli. Uh, I actually thought he was going to retire in Dave Gedwin's press, press conference uh, after the season. That looks to be changed. Eli's agent has said he wants to come back. And uh, a few people have reported that the Giants want to do the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes uh, thing like they did, like the Chiefs did, where, you know, they let Alex Smith play the whole year and then <clears throat> traded him or, obviously Eli will probably retire at that point and then let the rookie come in and uh, after giving him a full year on the bench Danny what do you think of that whole situation
2: I mean it worked out well in Kansas City so I mean you, you can hope it works here but the, the question is can they get the right guy to do that that's really the main question at the moment
0: yeah definitely um like like you said it worked out in Kansas City but Kansas City also had an amazing start last season with Alex yeah. Smith. They started out six and zero. Alex Smith looked like he was going to be an MVP, and things fell off a little bit. But he was still a good QB. And then you know what we saw of him in Washington, he was still a pretty good QB. And they're playing in Kansas City, whereas compared to New York, there's going to be so much scrutiny. If we have another start like we've had the last two seasons, that you know that sounds good, but it's not going to happen. We're going to be they're going to be calling for whoever is drafted uh, right away. I mean, we. Yeah. we Mahomes is kind of the outlier where everybody says they want to do that. Every single team that drafts a QB says we want to let the guy sit. You know, there's a few exceptions like Andrew Luck and RG3, but you know, three games into a rough season and we're seeing the rookie QB. So, and I mean, you know, hopefully Eli starts out great and we're winning games and we could do that. But it's I think it's kind of naive to say that he's whoever the rookie QB is is just going to sit all season long. Yeah, uh, unless Eli plays really
2: well. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking the whole time as well. Because like, I, I always felt the best course of action was to do that—just have him sit behind Eli for the year. Because it's basically his final year of his contract. They could let him walk after this. No hard feelings, hopefully. Or I was thinking that they, could, if they wanted to, they could pull what they did in '04, I believe, with Kurt Warner and Eli, and just take Eli out and just throw the rookie in there, just like what they do with Warner.
0: Right, and and. You know, yeah, like you said, going way back to Kurt Warner, Eli, Kurt Warner was actually playing pretty well that season, uh, especially when rookie quarterbacks weren't demanded to play as quickly as they are now. I mean, the team was, you know, started out, I think it was either four and two, five and two, you know, had a couple of missteps, but Kurt Warner was playing pretty well. And obviously that worked out for Eli, uh, you know, having that rough rookie year. Uh, you know, it gave him some learning curves, but Eli was nowhere near ready. You know, his his six games in his rookie season were uh, were mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely awful, except for the last game against Dallas.
2: Oh, yeah, th- those were abysmal. And if I'm, I'm correct, the Giants were, they were looking like a playoff team in 04. And then I remember Michael Strahan said when they said they're taking out Warner and putting in Eli, Michael's like, what are we doing? We, we, were ha- we had something with this team. In the end, it worked out. Hopefully we can get that lucky again.
0: Right, and it, and it could also be a spark for you. Because Eli, before this season, I'm pretty confident that he made a business decision that he's not going to get beat up. Because we saw how he was just dinking and dunking all season long. He wouldn't wanted, he wanted, know, sit in the pocket and take hits like we've seen Eli do in the past. And especially when they started losing games. I, he made a business decision that he is, he is not going to take hits. But with a rookie QB behind him, uh, you know, he's a competitor like anybody. He does not want to get benched. That could kind of force Eli's hand to come in ready to go and being wi- being willing to take those hits and, and what happens. Because if not, if he just plays, you know, average, there we're going to be calling for the rookie QB with all this talent we have in the offense with guys like Odell and Saquon.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's just the one issue, as you said. We're in such a demanding market here in New York City. We are under the spotlight at every second. If you mess up in one way, we want you gone out nowhere near this team anymore.
0: Right, and, 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 you know, obviously that's, that's part of the good thing about New York is we demand excellence. But it's also, you know, we've, you know, uh, as we'll probably see as we get closer to the draft, whatever our opinions are of these QBs, obviously we've done some studying on them, uh, and the, everything, you know, develops as time goes on. But uh, it's going to be heated between Giants fans and, and reporters of who, who to pick. I mean, we look at last year, you know, Saquon had this amazing year. He's looking like amazing talent, and a lot of the you know Giants beat reporters are still like, they should have taken Darnold, or they should have taken the QB at two. So it's definitely going to be heated, and uh, yeah. So I think whatever, whatever, whichever guy that e- either you know either one of us wants to go will have you know sixty percent going against us, and I I just think that's the way it is. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Giants will make the right decision. I I don't think Dave Gettleman is going to make a decision out of fear. And you know, with uh, what we saw with the Browns taking a risk on taking Baker Mayfield, who was a late first-round projection this time last year, that whoever they think is the best quarterback, even if it's a, a five-foot-nine, five-foot-ten Kyler Murray, I believe they will make that decision. Uh, whoever you know, whoever they think that is.
2: Yeah, you're right. I posted on my on my Twitter. Uh, I, I subscribed to ESPN Plus, and they did a redraft, and they had the Giants taking Sam Darnold. Even with knowing everything, Sam Darnold not performing well in the Jets this year, but Sam Darnold's going to be very good in this league. But I was like, what are we doing with that draft? That just that just makes no sense. And on drafting a quarterback. Dave Gellman, in my opinion, he can cement his legacy as Giants GM if he's able to draft the franchise quarterback that can replace Eli Manning once he goes. That, I think, is his legacy at at the moment.
0: Yeah, and and he's an older guy. He spent time with Carolina, obviously, was in the Giants organization before that. So it's not like he's, he's not going to be, you know, obviously he wants to keep his job and do well, but he's not, you know, stressed like, oh, you know, I could ruin my career if I screw this up. So I really don't think he's going to be scared. I think he's going to make whatever the right decision is, and, you know, I think he's going to take the best potential uh, that we can get. Um, so, yeah, do you have anything else on, on that whole situation?
2: No, we, we pretty much covered that whole thing right there with Eli.
0: Definitely. All right, before we go into uh, the college QBs, Connor Barwin, uh, we, you know, brought him in during camp uh, for one year, didn't do much. Uh, he's out. Uh, any thoughts on that? Agree Disagree?
2: Oh, it was actually a two-year deal. He had one more year on his deal to go through, but um, I I think I, he, he was there. I, someone on Twitter brought up a good point. They said he was basically brought in to maybe like be like a locker room leader, and I believe that. And then once the season reached a point of no return, they just took him out and put in someone like Lorenzo Carter to see what they got on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get out of Lorenzo Carter right away. So yeah, it's it's. Uh... It's a pretty easy move to make, uh, especially with, you know, what's going to be a busy offseason for the Giants, especially on the offensive and defensive line. There's going to be a lot of emphasis there. Um, So, yeah, let's uh, do a quick ad, and then we'll get into these college quarterbacks. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. All right, so looking forward to the NFL draft. far, you know, it's a ways out, but it's, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that we will be taking a QB in the first round. Like we mentioned before, there's four guys that are in that conversation: Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, and Drew Locke are pretty much the three. Daniel Jones is an outside guy that would have to be like a trade down situation. There, you know, he's not going to be taken uh, with in the top ten. So we'll start with Dwayne Haskins because right now he is the number one projected quarterback. Danny, what are your thoughts on this guy?
2: Well, uh, Haskins—he's—I'm—I'm he, uh, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes heights, and he's standing at six six foot three inches. So I mean, he's—he's he's tall. I believe he's an inch shorter than Eli. So I mean, he's tall, but yeah, Haskins. I mean, he—he's, in my opinion, he had his best performance towards the end of the season when Ohio State like really were like, all right, let's. Run the ball as well and allow passing, because in the beginning they were just passing like forty times a game, fifty times a game. It was amazing. They did not have a run game, but I mean he has the arm strength. He's not mobile, but he's mobile enough to where like he can move around. and He's faster than Eli, so and to me he's Usain Bolt. And and obviously one more issue with him, an issue I have him. Mean, he only has nine hundred career snaps at Ohio State. That that's not a lot, but I mean it worked out for Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago. Yeah, he's definitely
0: out of all the guys has the best measurables. Like you said, he's tall. He has a good arm. He's he's fairly accurate with the ball. He makes a lot of smart decisions. But with with that, it's hard to really get a gauge on who he is because he's never he hasn't been in too tough of a situation. Even the game against Purdue, I I guess I'll I'll read out. You know, I, I watched the whole game against Purdue, and so I broke it down into you know passes in the backfield. You know, right, middle, left, under 10 yards, and right, middle, left, over 10 yards. That's not like, you know, a screen pass that goes 15 yards. Those passes that go over 10 yards in the air. Passes to the back against Purdue, the game that they lost, got blown out. 16 for 18, which obviously was the majority. Uh, right, less than 10 yards, 7 for 9. Middle, less than 10 yards, 7 for 7. Left, minus 10 yards, 8 for 9. So, I mean, he's extremely accurate when it comes to that. Um, you know, guys are wide open, obviously in the backfield, you know, design plays. And those are all really one read plays. And, uh, so then to, to the, uh, right, right. Plus 10, he was two for 10 middle, over 10 yards, two for three to the left over 10 yards, four for 12 with two touchdowns and an interception. And then some of the notes I had was, uh, you know, the first four passes were in the backfield. He started out seven for seven. Uh, there was a couple, uh, early fourth down and long play or third and fourth and third and long plays, And he kind of went one, two, you know, read his first two options and then tucked the ball and ran. And he's not, you know, he's not a scramper, although he can move, he can move, didn't convert on uh, either of those. He had a, a wide open guy. His first deep for his first deep throw over him. Uh, he underthrew an open receiver in the corner, which missed the touchdown. Uh, some of the good things, he was really accurate on the third and nine strike while he got uh, just drilled. Um, he uh, had a, uh, There was a drop touchdown pass on, on a great fade. That was about 18 yards. That would have been a touchdown. Uh, and some uh, a nice skinny posts, and he had a, a really bad underthrow for a pick six and then one drop interception through the middle of field. So just, on, just going on that game before I, I, I talk about the Michigan, is like I said, the underneath stuff—that the stuff that they gave him—was beautiful. You know, he made, you know, he made accurate throws. He made the right decisions. My only worry for him is that, like you said, he's only had 900 snaps, and with or 900, uh, yeah, 900 snaps. And within those snaps, he really hasn't been tested a whole lot. Uh, even and like like I said, this this is a game where they got blown out, and he, you know, he wasn't great throwing deep, but you know, those aren't those aren't absolutely horrible numbers either. And I just, I just think, you know, in that Urban Meyer system, it's just quick one-two reads, and that, that's all we've really gotten to see from him all year. He, he, you know, we'll talk about Kyler and Locke, where they've had to thread the needle, you know, a few times. Where, where Dwayne Haskins, I just feel like he's he's a safe guy. He has all the measurables, yeah. but there's there's nothing that like blows me away. Uh, you know, between that and the Michigan game. Saying, like, wow, this
2: guy's an absolute gamer. Yeah, but, like, I've... Everyone talked about Dwayne Haskins. Like, he is the guy in this draft. And I, so far... I mean, I've seen what he has. He, he, he He's a great quarterback. and But I just haven't really seen something that's like, wow, he is the guy I want. I mean... Really, people were saying he would be he would be going first, even if Justin Herbert was in this draft. It's, for me, it's hard to tell because I I loved Herbert. I really wanted Herbert, and honestly, he's not here. But Haskins, as you said, I believe his best game was at Michigan, twenty for thirty-one, uh, four for 96 yards, six touchdowns. And looking at his rushing stats, as you said, he's he's just he's not a scrambler, but he runs when when he has like no choice whatsoever. But it's hard to tell about Haskins, really.
0: Right. And like like you said the Michigan game, he played pretty well. Uh, his his uh, passes over 10. He went uh, 4 for 12, although, you know, out of four of those uh, completions, three of them were touchdowns. But, you know, like I said, they Ohio State it's hard to get a gauge on their quarterbacks because they run so many shallow routes and they have great, you know, great talent at wide receiver. And I mean, I especially like in the first quarter and begin the second quarter against Michigan, I don't know how many times they just ran, you know, a shallow a shallow across the middle, Dwayne Haskins dumps it off and the receiver goes for 10 to 15 yards. So, I mean, I like I said, like you said, I love his measurable, but it's really hard to get a gauge on what he needs to do because, you know, he's he wasn't asked to uh, you know, a, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot under
1: Obermeier.
2: Yeah, but this this is just a fun fact that I read. I I don't remember unless you can tell me. I, I... I don't remember the last time Ohio state has had a successful quarterback in the NFL in recent memory. I I don't remember a successful quarterback coming from Ohio state, unless I'm wrong.
0: I mean, Terrell Pryor had like an 80 yard run for the Raiders. No, yeah, yeah. no, they really haven't. And I, you know, I don't, I don't hold that against him because Alex Smith, you know, he came from that urban Meyer system. Um, obviously you know, there's guys like Tebow, I mean, Cam Newton, I guess you could say for one year in Florida, but that doesn't really count. Um, so I, I think a lot of that's just been the product of who they brought in, where it was, you know, uh, JT Barrett, uh, Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, guys who they're just not NFL QBs. They're just really good talents that are, are scramblers. I mean, we see Terrell Pryor playing wide receiver in the NFL now. Um, so I don't hold that against him, but I do, you know, I do agree where it's like, you know, he he wasn't tested a whole lot. And I know I'm, I'm kind of beating that point into the ground, that's but important. it's it's hard, it's hard to say because he never – like, we talk about, you know, I, I, I watched Kyler's game against Alabama, and while it wasn't an amazing game, it was nice to see, you know, what he can do when he's playing an NFL-style defense where, you know, they can rush forward and get to you. And, you know, what are you going to do when it's either a coverage sack or whatnot? And so, yeah, and, you know, like I said, even the Purdue game where they got blown out, he wasn't asked to, like, all right, we need you to start threading needles and, and making crazy plays. So, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just hard to get a gauge on him. But like we said, measurable-wise, he has, I'd say, the best arm. He's, he's very accurate. He's, he's, he stands stalls. He's, he's thick. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just it's, – it's hard to get a gauge on him. We'll, we'll see a lot more, obviously, as you know, we start breaking down more and more of his games in the combine and, and all that jazz, and, and those guys get deeper into it. So, yeah, uh, Dwayne Haskins, I like him. But I just I want to see more, you know.
2: Yeah, that's that's something I need. But also something I do like that during the beginning of the year when Urban Meyer was suspended for his incident last year, he he did very well even with all this so much attention on Ohio State with Ryan Day being the interim head coach, he still did great. So I mean, from what I've seen, he can do handle controversy. Granted, it was against really no good teams, but still, that's something that he can handle that controversy when it arises. Hopefully,
0: right? And he, like like you said, yeah, during that time they played TCU in a game where. They were down early, and that was one of those things, like, man, you could see Ohio State blowing this game. No Urban Meyer. You know, Dwayne Haskins, we didn't know who he was at that point, and he played yeah. really well and, and led to a pretty much blowout win after it looked like TCU had him on the ropes. Yeah. All right. Um, any Any final things on Haskins?
2: Um, no. <laughs> we basically gone our, our, our my feelings on him, so we'll see what he brings to the NFL Combine.
0: Right, yeah. Obviously, we'll be talking about these guys a whole lot more going forward. But we wanted to, you know, with the Eli news that, that uh, you know, he's looking to come back. We wanted to get an early look at these guys. All right, so let's move on to Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy winner out of Oklahoma. The guy's electric. Um, he, you know, turned down the $5 million deal to play baseball to enter the NFL draft. And, you know, he can still play baseball. But it, it's looking like it's a foregone conclusion that he will be playing in the NFL. Danny, what, what are your initial thoughts on this guy?
2: Well, I, yeah, as you said, he's obviously choosing to play football at the moment. He may change his mind if, they, if he sees, like, oh, they're not going to drop me in the first round. I'm going to take my $5 million right away. But, I mean, as you said, he's an electric guy. I mean, like, I, I just as I was watching this highlight, I was, I was like, man, an offense with him? Saquon, Odell, Evan Ingram, Dylan in Shepard. thats just a dream right there for me, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, man, it's it's the most exciting option. Uh, you know, uh, I'll go into a little more detail in, in, a, in a minute. But like you said, you know, he's an electric player. The speed is real, and he's not—he's not a Lamar Jackson where he just runs the ball. He's—he's he's pretty accurate with the ball. Where Lamar Jackson. You know, I could do a whole 10-minute segment on that where he's not going to be successful. I don't care how well the Ravens played on him this year. Um, but, yeah, like you said, mixing in that with a guy like Odell, Sterling Shepard, uh, Evan Ingram, and then you got Saquon to, you know, do a little read option and then just hand the ball off and then have, a, you know, a security blanket to win. You know what? He doesn't know exactly what to do to dump it off. I mean, we saw Eli do that 92 times this year. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think that could really be there. The height is obviously an issue. There you um, go. At, at the same, you know, I, I, height does matter. And he's, you know, got a smaller frame. He'll be, it, you know, what whatever he measures up at his height is, at the combine will be a big deal. Because, you know, as, as dumb as it sounds, there is a difference between 5'11 and 5'9. One, because we've seen 5'11, you know, six foot with guys like Baker, Russ Wilson, and, and Breeze, where we've never seen the 5'9 type unless you want to count Flutie. But anyways, um, he yeah, like he, he'll his combine and uh, you know pro day and testing will will be it'll be the biggest for him because he can make a huge jump. But you know he can be he can I I am not at this point saying he's the best guy of this class, but I could see myself in two months being like we need to go after this guy. Let's take a chance because the reward of it can be amazing and, and the Giants being a dynasty.
2: Yeah, like as I I'm the type of person that like As everyone hyped about one guy, I don't make my decision on who I want until I see the combine and I compare them with the rest of the field. This will be a huge test for all these quarterbacks, especially Kyle Murray, to see if he can hang with the likes of Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Danny Jones, all very much taller guys than him. But as you said, something I found very interesting, Nick Saban, after they defeated the Sooners in the Orange Bowl, he said Murray was one of the toughest guys he had to prepare for because you have to— like you have to guard because he has the arm to throw it, but your DBs can't always be turned because if they turn, he's all of a sudden ten yards down the field. That speed just kills defenses. And as you said, we could be sitting here in April, a week before the draft, saying if we don't draft Kyler Murray, we are. This is the dumbest decision we've ever made.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I've actually been, you know, I've been. I'm one of those guys where I really don't want a mobile, scrambling quarterback because you know there's very few instances of it working out. But it's it's you know that. That for him it's an asset. You know, obviously it'll be different in the NFL. But it's it's not like I said, it's not a Lamar Jackson type. It's not even like a Michael Vick was in the beginning of his career. Obviously he he developed. Um but yeah, I mean just I, I went and looked at his Alabama game, kinda of broke it down and he started out bad. You know, they one they were trying to run the ball, couldn't get anything done. Um, but he made some electric plays. There was some iffy ones where he threw in the triple coverage. Um but th- the biggest thing I noticed for him is is on the scrambling. He did it at the right times. He wasn't, you know, just a you know one read go. He kind he went through his progressions and nothing was there because Alabama was, was rushing three and four, and playing zone, which was leaving guys you know uh, completely blanketed. Then he would go, um, and he was able to get down. He didn't take you know uh, maybe maybe one or two, but he didn't take a lot of unnecessary hits like we saw a guy like RG three take.
2: Yeah, yeah, as you said. Uh, well, sometimes I, my person, I sometimes I felt like he sometimes did take a little too much, but obviously he slid, mo- slid most of the time. But as you said, so I feel like Lamar Jackson, his initial instinct to when he gets the ball is to like look for where he can run. That's how I feel Lamar Jackson is, because many times I, in the playoff games against the Chargers, he, it was snapped and he dropped it because like he wasn't, he was more prepared in my opinion to run the football. Murray looks at his progressions, he takes his time, and then when he knows he has no other option, he runs. That's something I also have to give credit to Lincoln Riley because, I mean, he's coming from a great coach. We see Baker Mayfield, former Honda Trophy winner, like Kyler. He's doing great in the NFL right now. So there's that as well, good coaching.
0: Right, and that's something that could kind of comfort you a little bit too is the fact that we just saw this with Baker. All the questions were there. He was projected to be a late first-round guy, maybe even the second round. Uh, You know, once the season was over and, you know, ended up being the one overall pick and and looks to be well worth it. Obviously, the jury is still out. You know, I'm not crowning the guy, the savior of the Browns yet. But the fact that we just saw a guy uh, come out of Oklahoma and do it um, speaks a lot, although, you know, they are completely different quarterbacks. You know, you can't just be simple. But, you know, it's it's the good things that excite me about him is because. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the scrambling quarterbacks. You know, Mario, like when Mariota came out, Mariota looked like, oh, he's super smart. But, you know, we've seen him now where, you know, you need to have that it factor and be able to make big throws and, and take some necessary chances where with him, it's just, it's just very bland. And it's, it's almost like, you know, kind of Dwayne Haskins a little bit. I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins is going to be Mariota and he doesn't have that speed. But with Mariota, we never really saw him get tested. Um, whereas, uh, you know, a guy like Kyler, you know, he's had, you know, plenty of tests, you know, having to make big plays in the big 12, where it's constant shootouts, obviously lesser defenses. So it's easier to make those plays, but the, the game against Alabama, although they did lose and, and lost pretty convincingly, I was actually pretty uh, impressed with him, uh, you know, following that game, you know, after you know the first quarter.
2: Yeah. The game that impressed me when I was like, Oh, Kyler Murray, something, is in the West Virginia game, he was that was one of their many great shootouts this year. He was 20, 20 for twenty seven passing, three hundred and sixty-four yards, three touchdowns and one interception. But he's able to like one offense answers, he's able to answer back when he can. He 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 I just love the way Kyle Murray possesses himself in the pocket. He's able to, as you as I said before, make his progressions. And then that was in the Alabama game. He was tested. He struggled, but then he was able to bring his team back, obviously, to no avail. But he's, he's able to do it.
0: Right. And then, you know, the Alabama game, they, you know, obviously, Alabama didn't play great on defense at all against Clemson, but against Oklahoma, they played really well. And they were constantly only rushing four and three, so they didn't blitz him a whole lot. So there was a lot of times where it was just blanketed coverage and his initial reaction wasn't just run. Uh, he did run a decent amount, but it was after. You know sitting there waiting and waiting and, and trying to find somebody open and it just wasn't happening and then he'd run so you know it was a it was an extremely formidable test for him which uh you know he had some mistakes he, he you know like I said before he there was a play where he threw in the triple coverage um some some stuff that wasn't there but there was also you know a 50-yard dime on the run uh you know right up the middle so there's a lot there I, I like the guy a lot and he can, you know, he obviously has the most potential because of that speed, and uh, and he's obviously a great thrower of the ball. So yeah, he has the most potential out of all these guys. I would love for him to be the guy, although I'm not there yet. But I, like I said, I w- I would love for him to be that guy, and I would be excited about him being in the in the Giants blue.
2: Very much so. All
0: right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Drew
2: Locke.
0: Uh, you know a lot more about Locke than me, Danny. So I'll let you uh, lead it off.
2: Well, Drew Locke, um, I, I really started studying him more around the Senior Bowl time. But from what I've read, because obviously we're not at the Senior Bowl, but from what I've read, he was great in the team being his team very much liked him. And in my opinion, and to many other people's opinions, he was the one that benefited the most from the Senior Bowl because Daniel Jones' struggle will get to him, obviously, towards the end. But Locke, great arm strength. He's four. He's an inch taller than Haskins. He has mobility, not the Kyler Murray mobility, but he's able to move around, do it good. One of the plays I liked was um on the fir- very first play from Scrunch when he came out in the Senior Bowl. It was a bootleg pass, and he made a Patrick Mahomes-style quick like underhand throw. It was, I was like, wow. that was like, can I have that now, please? But obviously, that's getting kind of greedy. And then looking at some of his other games against... I mean, the one bad side for Drew Locke is... He hasn't beat many ranked teams in his career. Obviously, he beat Florida. That's the one ranked team he beat, I actually. Now I'm reading my notes. But in the Purdue game, 26 for 43, 375 yards, four touchdowns. That's an example of a great game. But then in the game against a very great team in Alabama, 13 for 26, 142 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. He made very rough decisions in that game. But I think towards the end of the year, he was able to settle himself down and learn more about himself.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, the game against Alabama was rough, but you know, and in a game where they needed to score a lot of points, he only had twenty six attempts. Um, and then I I went and looked at the Georgia game because that was a game where he didn't play bad, and it was against uh, you know the best defense in the SEC besides Alabama, and he seemed to play really well. And, and his arm talent, I'd say, is the best. He makes amazing throws, and he's not afraid to make uh you know a a, a ballsy decision like. You know, like Eli Manning was at one point. Um, But I I noticed that Missouri ran the ball a whole lot. They didn't really give him a whole lot of opportunity. A lot of first down runs, second down runs. So it wasn't like a wide open team, which, you know, we've come to expect out of Missouri in the past. Um, But, yeah, you know, he, uh, like you said, he had a great senior bowl. The coaches loved him. And it really moved him up from a late first round guy to, you know, I've seen some mocks with him in the top ten since.
2: Yeah, well, he was the one, as we said, benefit the most from the senior bowl. Scouts and coaches, they only really care about the practices. They don't care about the game. They usually head home after that. But something I found interesting was reports coming out that John Elway really likes Drew Locke. Like, he wants Drew Locke at the moment. and But he has a feeling that he may go even earlier. So he may want to trade up to try and even get there. So he, the Broncos could shake up the draft involving Drew Locke and just throw the whole draft into a whirlwind. Yeah,
0: that actually leads me into a question. Because the Giants would be the, the first QB needy team at six, um, do, do you see whoever the first QB is taken, do you think – Whoever wants that top QB is going to have to trade up.
2: I'd I listen.
0: Okay. Let me rephrase that. Do Do the Giants need to trade up if they want to get the QB? Like, if there's one QB they want and they don't want to have any chances of taking them, somebody taking them, are, is somebody going to trade up ahead of them or do they need to the trade up?
2: Well, see, I was looking at the NFL draft order, and something I read was the one team that could really mess up the Giants is the Jets. They're in a great position where they can allow a team, because they're in front of us, they can allow a team to move up and take our player, and that could easily shake up the draft for us. So I believe if I'm being saved, the Giants, I'm under the impression they should trade up. Now, I should also add there's like a rumor going around that the Giants have contacted the Arizona Cardinals. I don't believe it. No major person has reported. We have not reported, so I would not take that with anything that's being reported by like many giant fan sites. So I do believe the Giants may have to move up. We'll, we'll learn more about that when the combine comes, but that's when someone like the Jets had to move up because they felt Sam Darnold would be gone.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then, like you said, for uh, the Cardinals, I do think we'll stick it one because they have so many needs. Unless, unless it's the Giants or the Jags at six or seven. But like you said, the Jets might be the team that makes the most sense to trade down because they traded up last year and lost, you know, some second-round picks to the Colts. So yeah, that definitely could be uh, an option for whoever wants to trade up. Because like you said, the the Jags are definitely going to want to get a QB. The, the Broncos are, you know, like you said, they uh, you know, supposedly Elway loves Locke. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I I think it'll be a before draft day trade up too. I don't think it'll be you know day of. So yeah, Locke, I like him a lot. Um, I w- I want to see more of him. Obviously, uh, you know that's this, you know, the same story with all these guys. But uh, he arm talent wise, and and you know just as a pocket passer, I'd say he has the best potential out of all these guys. You know, more even more so than a Dwayne Haskins.
2: Yeah, in my opinion, he will benefit the most of, from the combine if cause going up against against guys like Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray. He can benefit the most against that because he can prove his name in the combine. Senior Bowl, yeah, you had someone like Will Greer who did not play good. Jones struggled, but he was he was okay. Then Tyree Jackson, Ryan Finley. So the combine, in my opinion, is where Drew Locke will make his name, and that is where the quarterback market, that's where we'll find out where everyone is really ranked.
0: Definitely. All right, so we'll finish it off with Daniel Jones. Uh, obviously, he's the quarterback out of Duke. Uh, he's projected to be a late first round guy. This would have to be in a trade down situation. I think it'd be a, a long shot for the Giants to get him. Um, but the, the cliche we'll all throw out is they have him and Eli Manning have the same mentor uh, as, and the Duke head coach, David Cutcliffe. That's uh, Eli and Peyton's guy. So I think that's where the similarities end. But I mean, wh- wh- what are some thoughts on Daniel Jones?
2: Well, I mean, one thing I found interesting about him is um, when Eli goes down, because as some of you may know or may not know, Eli goes down to Duke in the offseason. He brings some of the guys with him. Daniel Jones actually practices with them. He some Eli sometimes brings him along, and he's sometimes is able to hang out with like the running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers, whoever showed up. But from what I saw from Jones, great arm. He could deliver the ball well. He, he is a scrambler. He likes to run around. He has 17 rushing touchdowns at Duke. In his game against Pitt, he ran the ball a lot. And then in the senior bowl, he ran a great read option, which he was able to run in for a touchdown. So he's someone that I'm intrigued by. And also, something I also read today, some GMs believe that he could be the first quarterback taken off the board. Obviously, it's very early. But some GMs believe he will be the first to be taken off the board in this year's draft.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty surprising. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets flowed out this time of year. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of potential. Um, and uh, I you know, obviously being at Duke, he gets a lot less attention than these three guys have got, especially you know, Haskins and Murray. But uh, yeah, uh, Eli, you know, like you said, he you know, he you know, goes down to Duke uh, in the offseason. I you know, I remember those you know, videos of Peyton and Eli bringing down you know, three or four wide receivers. Um, so obviously, he has a good idea. And Cutcliffe, you know, who you know, he loves Eli, he looks at him like a son. Um, he, uh, he definitely won't lie to the giants. You know, you know we hear, you know, a lot of college coaches just want to kind of pump up their guys. Whereas uh, I think Cutcliffe will be straight up when he's asked questions about Jones. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of coaches lie. I remember a story when EJ was coming out where Jimbo Fisher was telling guys, like, trust me, like, you don't like this, this guy's not worth a draft choice. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, uh, the 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 longer we go, you know, once the Super Bowl is over, and we just move, you know, forward into you know complete off season mode, the uh, I think that's when we'll get a, a better idea of what Daniel Jones is.
2: Yeah, as, as I said, he struggled really during the Senior Bowl. During uh, the 7-on-7 seven seven practices, he struggled. He like overthrew someone. He then had a ball too low for someone to catch. And then he made a check down, but he made it too late. And then it was picked off for a pick six. So he he's, Dwayne, not Dwayne, Hath, Daniel Jones, he'll be something. In this league, it's just a matter of where where he'll be. As you said, he was coached by David Cutcliffe who coached Eli. Jones is six foot five inches, so he's tall as well. And I believe he has great drive on the ball. But sometimes it's something I've noticed sometimes I feel like he like risks it too much to throw the ball. He just wants to throw it to get it out of his hands. So I mean as as I said with Drew like, he is someone that will benefit most likely from the combine if he's able to go out there and perform.
0: Right. Yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting. Obviously, we'll be talking about these guys a lot more, but we wanted to do our first episode, you know, co- you know, quarterback focus. Um, you know, obviously the Super Bowl's coming up. Uh, Danny, any any last words before we finish it off with the interview with Rich Soibert?
2: Um, no, I got nothing else to add well, besides the fact that yeah, we'll just find out who these QBs are by the time the combine rolls around, which will be March 1st to the 4th for anyone interested.
0: Definitely. Um. And then so before I kick it to the interview uh, we want to be an inter- interactive show obviously we wanted to get the first one out um, you know we'll have we'll, most episodes will be out on Tuesday like we said before interview wise whenever it's a player uh, Superman radio does take priority to that uh, for those interviews so like I said this this interview already aired on Superman radio so if you already listen to it you can just skip through or you can listen to the guy twice if you want Um but we will have up-to-date current interviews with beat guys like, you know, Dan Duggan is somebody that uh, we've done. I've done stuff with. So, you know, we won't be pushing, you know, beat reporter interviews two weeks back. So, like I said, all-player interviews will be pushed back a couple weeks. Um, we just did one with Tay Davis, inside linebacker. So that will, you know, be out in a month or so. And we're not going to do interviews every week. Um, we want it to be, you know, based more on Giants Nation and what we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh let's 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 give us us us, ourselves grades danny a plus me i'll I'll be i'll be a little humble a and uh i think that was a great show uh this is giants nation podcast and we'll finish you off with the interview with rich soybert all right we now welcome onto the program a very special guest he's a 10-year nfl veteran every year with the new york giants offensive guard super bowl 42 champion rich soybert how you doing rich Hey, I'm doing good, Bobby. Thanks for uh,
1: having me
0: on today. Yeah, man, we're definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big Giants fan, and 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 a bigger fan of the office of line, and uh, so it's definitely gonna be fun. But I, I want to kind of go chronologically through your career. Uh, obviously, you were an undrafted free agent, and you know you broke the starting lineup. But there's a moment early in your career that you know everybody remembers, but people might not remember that it was you. Uh, the playoff game against the 49ers on the the botched snap on the field goal.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember well. Yeah, so um, you- uh, <laughs> we were up by a bunch, and uh, the Niners came back and ended up beat- beating us in that game, but we had a chance to kick a field goal at the end to uh, to win it, and I was the eligible tight end. I reported eligible. Uh, bad snap, um, a fire call, right? it's to uh, It was to run a corner out or at least to the sticks or you know time and place of the game, so I knew I had to get to the end zone because it was going to be the last play. Um I was open. I had a couple steps on him. Uh, the ball was thrown up there and I was tackled before I had a chance to catch it. So, I believe they came back the next day saying that it was pass interference it wasn't called. We had somebody else um was uh the illegal man down the field. It should have been offsetting penalties and we should have a re- uh, re-kick it. Yeah, but the, um like we've seen this year, you know, the referees are never perfect, so.
0: Yeah, so I, I yeah, the NFL actually went in and apologized for that. Um, but I kind of want to ask you know obviously that was before the social media days Um, One, what was the locker room after that like that and then I mean what do you think would have been the backlash from you know players where you you, you see so many players are so outspoken on social media I mean do you think it'd be remembered as you know the tuck rule almost
1: Uh, you know I don't know who knows Um, the locker room itself obviously um, you never know how many opportunities you get you know in the National Football League to uh, make the playoffs one but to make a run in the playoffs, and we were playing pretty well down the stretch that year. You know, uh, we had a young offensive line, and the offense was finally uh, starting to come around uh, the last three, four weeks of that season, putting some points up on the board, and our defense was playing well, and I think we are all in shock. You know, um it was nobody's fault. You know, uh, I know people gave trade junk in the long snap for a hard time, but we should have never been in that situation. You know, we were up by, I believe, I don't know, 28, 30 points, and um, you know, Tio uh, Tio went off on us, and they caught us, and they ended up beating us in that game. But uh, there's a lot of plays. Um, I missed blocks, and we missed some catches, and we missed some runs, and we missed some tackles. So it wasn't just one person's fault. You know, it was a team. It was a team effort that lost, and I'll never forget about it. And every time the Giants play the Niners, it seems like that that plays brought up.
0: Right. So I, I want to fast forward a couple years. You know, uh, Jim Falso gets fired, and you know he was a pretty successful coach for the Giants. Obviously, making the playoffs that year. And the Super Bowl in uh, you know a few years before so obviously he gets fired and, you know they bring Eli in and uh, you know Cawthon is known as a, a no-nonsense kind of tough guy what would I mean did the guys in the locker room not really want a guy like that because you know obviously you guys ended up loving him in the end but uh, I mean was there kind of some you know animosity towards him when he, it fir- he first came
1: uh, not for me you know um, I'm sure some of the older guys probably uh, they weren't used to it or whatnot but I think being an offensive lineman, like you know, uh, we come to work, we work hard, we do things hopefully the right way and uh, to the best of our knowledge, we, 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 treat, we try to do it the right way, right? And uh, me being a free agent, the, the harder you work, uh, the more Coach Coffin respected you. So, you know, I was coming back from a broken leg, uh, Coach was hard on me, you know, I was in there lifting pretty much every day from, you know, the end of that season to uh, when he got hired till, you know, the following season, but uh, he was equal to everybody. Right, so it didn't matter if you were, you know, the uh, the biggest guy on the team or or, or the rookie Frazier on the team. Uh, he treated everybody the same, and that's why I respect him the most. You know, he didn't sugarcoat anything. He was hard on us. Um, he was fair, but uh, he, he was hard, and um, I love him for it. You know, I learned a lot from Coach Coughlin, and you know, every year he, I want to say, lightened up, but he, um, I don't know what even the right word to use, but uh, we grew as. We grew as a coach we grew as a family we grew as a team and obviously uh you know he's one of the greatest coaches in giant's history so
0: yeah de- out. definitely now you said he treated everybody the same but I, I i need an honest answer on this question was it uh was it was it bullcrap that your guy christney married his wife and, and pretty much guaranteed himself a roster spot
1: no you know <laughs> i think uh you know back 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 then uh it wasn't called bullying you know it was called um it was called uh, having fun and, uh, and all that good stuff. So, uh, we were uh, we weren't hard on Chris, but you know we uh, we had some fun with Chris and Coach Coffin about that situation. But you know Chris is uh, one heck of a player, and he proved that pretty early on in his career. So, um, I'm sure everybody at first was, oh, you know, son-in-law got picked in the second round, you know, and everything that goes with that. But uh, Chris and me, uh, he's he's a great friend. He's a great player. And uh, I love the guy to death and, you know, Kate me and all those kids. And, you know, my kids are all, I think, a year behind his kids. So um, we, we, we had a lot of fun together in the, in the playing days, and we try to catch up still to this day. But um, he, <laughs> he, he deserved being a second-round pick, and he deserved that roster spot. And Obviously, he's uh, he's in the Giants' ring of honor, so uh, he's a special player.
0: Yeah, um, you know, obviously Chris Nee and, and then, you know, the other guys, David Deal, Sean O'Hara, and Kareem McKenzie, you guys stuck together for a long time as as one unit, and you know we almost never see that in the NFL uh, anymore. Um, what do you think that was? Was it just the team? You know, once they found you know those five you you five guys that they said you know they made it a, a priority to keep you guys together, or was it you know guys making sacrifices to you know to make you I guys? I think uh, a,
1: a, a little bit of both. You know, um, I thought we worked well together. We generally liked each other, and we enjoyed each other, and we enjoyed hanging out outside of football. Uh, you know, there's, you know, there's times where you're going to be the first one in, you want somebody else to beat you into that locker room in the morning to watch film, and, you know, you stay, do you want to stay later? Everything we did, we, 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 uh, competed with each other. You know, we wanted to outwork work, the guy next to us, and, you know, um, but we truly loved each other, and, you know, we still hang out to this day, and we still talk about the good old days and, and all that fun stuff. But that being said, every year they bring in new guys to try to replace your butt, you know, so, um, it kept us young, and it kept us working hard, and, uh, you know, me being a free agent, Sean, you know, he was a free agent coming out of college, and uh, we all had chips on our shoulders. Um, David Dill being what, a fifth-round pick, and, you know, Kareem being drafted by the Jets, but becoming a free agent, coming over to the Giants. Uh, we all had something to prove. We all had we all had our own motivation, and, um, we, in, I enjoyed playing next to Sean and Dave for all those years, and, uh, you know, I I'm, imagine it's a mutual feeling between those guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I- You know, maybe it's just because I'm a Giants fan, but I mean, there's not really an offensive line that you remember, you know, staying together for that long and being as successful as you guys. And obviously, with success came, you know, Super Bowl 42. I want to, you know, ask a couple play, uh, couple, a couple, you know, plays, you know, what your mindset was. I guess we'll start chronology. That that fourth and one, where you know it looked to be an inside zone, you know, which obviously is uh, open for cutbacks. You know, with uh, Brandon Jacobs getting that one yard. I mean. how nervous was it and uh you know i mean what were the thoughts going through your head knowing that you know he was going you know probably right right behind your ass
1: uh it's basically stay low get push uh and don't get beat right you know those um you know the play they know the play and you know, they know we had a big back behind us and uh brandon runs hard so we know we just have to get him started you know just don't get him hit the backfield and he'll fall forward for a yard so um it's not like we were trying to, you know, spring a 60 yard. It would have been nice, right, if we would have sprung one, but we just needed a v yard. Stay low, move your feet, and uh, get off that football, you know, and uh, obviously don't jump off sides. But, um, I don't think there's any doubt in that huddle. We weren't going to get that, you know, that first down. Uh, uh, we had, we had some confidence in us, um, you know, coming from playing New England a few weeks ago, a few weeks prior to that Super Bowl game. And I know we didn't put up that many points in the Super Bowl, but a couple weeks prior, you know, we did. And, uh, we had confidence, and we believed in each other, and we believed in Brandon, and uh, we knew he could
0: get that one yard. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, you know, when we, you know, put it out to our listeners of, of what kind of questions uh, they, they wanted to ask, obviously this was the biggest one, the David Tyree play. I'm sure you've been asked about it a million times, every, everybody from that team is. But, uh, you know, from, you know, the offensive line, you know, they ran a stunt, and, you know, you guys did get beat, you know, there's a famous picture where yeah. you know, Eli's just uh, escaping it, and you're right there. Kind of, you know, obviously there's a lot of plays and you don't remember your thoughts, but I, I remember from my playing days in big games, you, you remember, you know, thoughts throughout a play. So, I mean, from getting beat to Eli escaping and, and throwing a duck and then the catch, I mean, what what was, you know, the thoughts and the range of emotions through that play?
1: Uh, it happened quick, man. You know, I think uh, they're, they're in a little EM um, game or TE game or whatnot, a little twist between Sean and I. We got picked. We got a little bit off level. Which happens, you know, you don't want that to happen at that moment, but it did. And uh, we all know how that play ended up. So, you know, people always want to give you like credit or David D Type, but that play never would have happened if it wasn't for us up front getting a little beat. But um, uh what goes through your head, like every other play, throw the ball. Like in your mind, you're just like, oh, I don't know why you got it. I hope he throws it, hope he throws it, hope he throws it. And obviously, when you watch that play now, like we never quit, right? So after we got beat, we still tried to peel back and, and get him off of Eli. And, you know, Sean was, Sean was trying to push him off, and I was trying to get the guy off, and for some reason, you know, um, <laughs> uh, Eli found, found a way to get out of there, and uh, he threw that ball down the middle of the field, and I never saw the I, I never saw the catch playing the game, obviously. I saw the ball throwing I'm You know, you're trying to watch the ball go, and you don't know how he caught it. You just know that he caught it, and, you know, we were running up there, and I believe we took a timeout, or we uh, we ran another play. It's uh, It happened really quick, and um, <laughs> it was a heck of a play. You know, that's what it takes to... Uh, to win a game like that against a good team like we were playing, you know, you needed to make a play, and uh, Eli and Tyree, you know, they found a way to get
0: it done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, you're uh, you always be a part of probably you know the most famous play ah. in NFL history. Um, I want to move on to the next year though. You, you know, you guys started out hot, twelve and one, and you know, you guys up front were probably the biggest reason for that. You know, Brandon Jacobs and, and Ahmad Bradshaw were having an amazing year. Um, but then, obviously, you know the incident with Plaxico happened, and you know you guys finished. I think it was two and three, and then and then lost in the playoffs. Was that just coincidence that that is what kind of led to the down spiral? Or I mean, I mean, what happened at the end of the season with you know you guys defending Super Bowl champions and then you know uh, you know falling off like that in the end of the season? I really don't
1: know. I, you know, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I play the, play the game every week as hard as I can play it so did my teammates and uh for some reason you know without him being in that field it made us a different offense and it took something away you know uh i know like playing against the eagles there we, we played them in the regular season they they had to put the safety over the top of them you know because he would he'd be killing them and uh you know without him they could put dawkins on the box and it was hard to run the football so obviously uh one guy doesn't make a team but you know one guy can affect the way other teams play against you and um we just didn't find a way to get done you know i always say that was probably one of the best teams i ever played on and um I'm sure it was one of the, you know, the best teams I played on, and uh, you know we were running the ball. We were coming up that Super Bowl year, and we just didn't uh, get it done down the stretch. Which, like, like uh, when I was younger, right? You never know how many opportunities you get, and um, that was one of them that we let slip away.
0: Definitely. All right, so I, w- I want to end it with a, you know a, f- a few shorter questions, uh, some from uh, the listeners. Uh, who who was the best block, or who was the best back to block for? Was it you know Tiki, Ahmad, Brandon?
1: I liked all of them. You know, my, uh, my younger days, I had Tiki behind me and we used to run, uh, you know, 34 and 35 Bob Scissors and it was kind of his, uh, the, the uh, the misdirection play, the counter play. We used to call it the scissors play. Coach Pope and, uh, uh Coach McNally would, uh, draw him up for us and you know, he would just find a way to get up behind you and make you look good. You know, he would just say, listen, Rich, just run straight. I will block the guy for you. And, and he did, you know, uh, I enjoyed getting downfield for him and. Uh, it was fun and then as I got older, obviously with with Ahmad and Brandon and D. Ward and those guys, you know, um, you know, we always had some backs behind us that we knew they had our back and um no matter what they're gonna run hard and they weren't gonna bitch about, you know, uh if we did get beat out of play. They would just say, you know, let's let's just get it done next play and they, they they always had faith in us. We had faith in them and um I think I was lucky, you know. Uh Tiki, you know, early on, you know, he was our offense right and then later on you know uh, between those three guys uh, run the ball Jacobs and, and, and Ahmad and, and D Ward you know there's they were tough you know uh, tough 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 guys and you know we don't get to see each other too often now but when we do you know there's always a big hug in, in the way and uh, I love those guys they, they ran hard and we uh, we try to block our
0: putts off for them. Yeah um, something extremely noticeable about that team and it's actually kind of seemed to come out more as you guys have retired You know, talking with guys like Brandon, and then you know when, you know Tom Coughlin resigned. You know, I saw a lot of you guys came together. You know, uh, you know Justin Tuck A lot of people were very outspoken, and it's it's hard to get you know a locker room to be family. uh, You know, for one year. I mean, what led to you guys being so close, such a tight knit bunch that really never had, or at least externally didn't have like have a lot of locker room issues?
1: Has been our leader. You know, it starts from the top, and that's Coach Coughlin. You know, on it's everything he does everything he did to make us a team, you know, it worked obviously and people ask what that was and I don't know, it's hard to explain. You know, we just truly enjoy playing for each other. And uh like I don't know, one of the best events we all do together is uh, you know, Joe the license plate guy. We all know who the license plate guy is, right? Yeah. Uh, He puts on he, he puts on the Landon Collins, you know, charity softball game to raise money for the uh for the for the Tom Coughlin J Fund and it's hard to get a few guys to show up at events, let alone the majority of your team, and, you know, for the last two years, the majority of us were back playing in that softball game. And, you know, it's. uh I look forward to it every year. I know it's only two years old, but uh, it's fun to see your old teammates. It's fun to hang out and, you know, have a couple of beers and, and play some softball, even though some, some of us aren't that good at it. Uh, some of us think we're better than we are, but, you know, it's just fun to have laughs and uh, get back together. And I have no clue how we became like that, but I know that that's the reason why we
0: were a good team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I you know, we're, we're close with, you know, he's not the fullback anymore, but Shane Smith on the Giants. And it was unbelievable to see how many of you guys, you know, show up for that one event. Um, yeah, that's fun. I'll, I'll finish it off with, you know, our last question. It's a, a fan submission from uh, Billy Bob, 98, 98, 98. He says, <laughs> e- everyone likes to ask who is your toughest opponent, but who was who the easiest? Someone who you knew that Sunday you'd get, you know, 10 pancakes against or so?
1: Shit. Nobody in the NFL, Billy Bob. You know uh that's that's not the way it works yeah. um not uh that's not the way I played uh I couldn't go into a game thinking like that you know uh, every week people I just I, I don't know who the best player was I know every week uh if you didn't go into there thinking you had your hands full you're gonna get your butt beat so um week in and week out you know you came you came ready to play and uh there was no cupcakes in the NFL I wish there was but there was not so um I, think I would never say it, anyways, but like I couldn't tell you. I know who I enjoyed playing against, and that was always the you know the best of the best. I enjoyed going against Albert Hainsworth when he was playing, you know, at his prime, and you know those those Eagles D, d tackles when uh, they had that defense with Darwin Walker and Corey Simon and uh, whatnot, and you know New England's line when I was young with Seymour coming off the you know the three four DM pinching in. You um, it was fun. It was fun to go against the best of the best. Uh, that's what I look forward to every week.
0: Definitely. Well. Listen, Rich, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, it's a big help for us. And uh, yeah, thank you, man. Uh, you know, uh, you know, have a good one. You
1: too, man. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that. All right,
0: have <laughs> All right, thanks for bearing with us in on episode one. We really appreciate it. If you could, if you listen on iTunes or whatever, please leave a rating and review. It helps out a lot. Subscribe if you like it. Follow us on all platforms at Giants Nation NYC. At Giants Nation Pod, and then our personals at Bobby Skinner NFL and at Danny King WEG. Thanks for coming with us. We'll see you guys next week.